Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There is a story for everyone here, because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybooks together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. I would love to share with you a quick story before we dive into the story box today and learn more about uh, our incredible guest today. But this person I heard on Lewis Howe's podcast over three years ago now and was immediately struck by the way she spoke, her story, and all the wisdom that she was pouring forth in that conversation. I absolutely loved it. And even before I started the story box, I thought, you know what? It would be amazing if one day I could sit down and have a conversation with this woman. And, you know, it took three years to make this conversation happen, but we finally made it happen. Mel Robbins is her name, and she's one of the leading voices in personal development and transformation and an international best-selling author. She hit the New York Times bestseller list number two uh, for her book, The High Five Habit. You can go and get a copy of that right now. All links are in the show notes below. But she has four number one best-selling audio books and the number one podcast on Audible, as well as a signature online course that has changed the lives of more than half a million students worldwide. Her groundbreaking work on behavior change has been translated into 36 languages and is used by healthcare professionals, veterans, organizations, and the world's leading brands to inspire people to be more confident, effective, and fulfilled. As one of the most widely booked and followed public speakers in the world, so you can imagine my amazement when she said yes to being on my show, Mel coaches more than 60 million people online every month and videos featuring her work have been uh, seen by more than a billion people online, including a TED Talk, which is one of the most uh, popular of all time. Uh, there's nothing Mel loves more than making a real difference in people's lives, and you're definitely going to hear this uh, during our conversation. Uh, there's She teaches them to believe in themselves, and she inspires them to take the actions that will change their lives. 
Now, my friends, Mel has been quite literally everywhere. Almost every single podcast that I listen to, she's been on. And I've enjoyed listening to all those conversations. One in particular that I loved was her deep dive conversation with Rich Roll. And my endeavor with this conversation was to try and get to places where Mel hasn't actually been to on all these other people's podcasts. And I am proud to say, I think we did. (laughs) It was really a organic, vulnerable, and just a, a heartfelt conversation that I know that many of you are going to absolutely love. That is my hope for you guys uh, listening or watching this conversation with Mel. So if you do get something from it, please share it around with your friends and your family that everyone know about this one. Also, before you go, don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. Appreciate each and every one of you for coming back, especially to this conversation today. All right, my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to journey with me into this story box and listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice, and the stories. Mel is a great storyteller of none other than the one, the only, Mel Robbins. It's a really interesting question. Everything's really, really good. And um, I'm trying to think, I, I believe it or not, we have just finished, we're not even finished. We are only, what, a month? The book came out a month ago tomorrow. Yep. And next week, I am already back in the studio for a new production for Audible that releases in, in February. So I, I have been... A busy uh, lady. <laughs> yeah, uh, I am. But I'll tell you, I'm really excited because uh, we just found out that the that the High Five Habit is the number six selling book of the week again on all of Amazon. And that's for the third week in a row. It was the number two selling book on all of Amazon uh, the first week it came out. Jeez, that is such an achievement. And you hit the New York Times bestseller list as well, which I know has been a goal of yours for a long time. So congratulations for hitting that. I had Thank all you. the faith in the world that it actually would. The moment I heard that this book was coming out, I'm like, yep, 100%. It's going to hit there. <laughs> Everyone's going to Well, you want to hear a fascinating story since you love stories? Yes, please. So, you know, I have been so... Uh, 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 you know, on the goal list in terms of professional achievements was always let's, you know, I want to earn the spot on the New York Times list. And we, of course, um, for me, I'm driven by the impact, but there's a part of me, I don't know if it's because of the lawyer in me or Ivy League schools or just because I'm a competitive bitch. I don't know what it is (laughs) that I literally you know, I want the credential. I want the acknowledgement. I yeah. want somebody to recognize and and tell me I'm doing a good job. As much as I've just written a book about how you got to give that to yourself, I'm still human. I still want it. And so, you know, when I saw that we were crushing it in sales and that the the book itself is spreading around the world, when, you know, you launch a book and it's got 30 different languages that it's being published in before it's even hit the the, the press or hit anybody's hands, you know that you've got a winner on your hands. That said, the week before the book went live, we got news that uh, some of the big retailers here in the United States were not going to carry the book because get this, I'm an unknown author. Uh And so I hear that and I think you got to be kidding me. And so we 
uh, you know, have our first week, we absolutely slay it on Amazon. And when the New York Times list comes out, I want to unpack two insights because I know that people that listen to you, you know, they're really invested in not only the stories of where people got, where they are, how they got there, the lessons along the way. But I think oftentimes, you know, it's easier for people to kind of unpack the stories that sound really good or the stories that are really entertaining. And so this is a story that's going to make me look like a first class jerk. But when the New York, but it's an important thing because I think it's something that people don't talk about a lot. Yeah. So the New York Times list comes out and um, we find out that I'm number two. And my first reaction was to be furious. Absolutely angry. I wasn't even happy that I made it. I was furious that I was not number one. And (laughs) here's the thing. There's, and there's not a lot of people that would admit that, but it is a research back and very normal reaction when you're the runner up. And here's, there's this famous study that I did about Olympic athletes where the person that wins the gold is elated. The person that wins bronze is just as elated as the person who won gold. And the person who wins silver is pissed off because Mm -hmm. when you're number two, you immediately are present to thinking I missed it by just a hair. And that's exactly what happened to me. And I think it's important. And then, of course, the next morning I woke up and I was happy again and I could care less if it was one or two. And, you know, that's sort of the roller coaster of these things. And I'm sharing that because, you know, we don't often talk about sort of the normal but ugly emotions that you feel when your best friend gets into your dream school. Of course, you're pissed off. Yeah. You know, when somebody that you love gets the promotion that you were gunning for, of course, you're going to feel passed over. And that's okay. It's kind of what you do with that, that really matters. And what I learned in that moment, because I had forever, Jay, wanted to get that acknowledgement of making the New York Times list. Yeah. And that list was important because it seems like everybody cares about that list, even though it's not based on actual sales. It's based on some sort of random, some two people at the New York Times decide, apparently they switch off each week who gets to decide the ranking. And so it's like a sales meets popularity contest. And so, you know, did I, am I happy that I'm on it? Of course. Did I earn it? You better believe it. Do I hope I remain on it? Yes. Will I, now that I'm kind of like talking openly about the experience of making it, who knows? Maybe I'll get the ding, you know, when they hear me talking this openly about it. But it, but it, but it actually taught me an extraordinarily important lesson. Mm-hmm. And I talk about this throughout the high five habit. And that is this. Achieving your dreams will not make you happy. No. Working on them will. Yeah. It's the journey, isn't it? It really is. It really is. It is, you know, you can boil happiness and meaning down to one criteria. Yeah. Are you working on something that gives your life meaning? Are you working on something that makes you feel happy? That's it. That's it. Because the second I woke up the second morning was like, oh my God, I made it. That's fantastic. Okay. What are we doing today? Then I thought, well, what's the next game? 
Like mm-hmm. what's going to be the thing? Because once you achieve something, and in my life, more often than not, Jay, what's happened is I actually have not achieved the thing I dreamed of. Mm. I worked for something, I don't get it. And then in the in hindsight, I realized, oh my God, I wasn't meant to achieve that dream. That dream got me started. And then along the way, I bumped into something that was actually meant for me that was even more amazing than what I imagined. Yeah. I look at life as being like this roller coaster ride. So strap yourself in, it's going to be one hell of a bumpy ride. <laughs> I always <laughs> say just enjoy the ride as we go. Like no matter how the dips go, like those dips are going to give you the strength to get through the the crazy times for the next dip. And then as it goes, I, I enjoy having those high moments. Of course, everyone does, but then it's like, all right, well, like what, what you said, what's next? What's the next trajectory? What's the next goal? That sort of thing. And it's kind of like everyone sort of feels like they're on this vicious cycle of tra- chasing fulfillment and satisfaction, right? And it's just, it's very interesting to me why we do that. Well, you know, I think you just made me think of something else. And that is that, you know, confidence and resilience and fulfillment, it's actually not achieved at the high points in your life. You know, confidence, courage, resilience, it's like steel. It's forged in the fire. You learn more when life is punching you in the face or when you're number two versus, you know, achieving the dream. You know, I was talking to um, uh, uh, another best-selling author who's in the personal development space. I know you know him, Dave Hollis. And he, yeah, and he was, he he said something yesterday that I thought was so phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And he basically said, you know, that he had this insight and it's a different way to come at what I'm talking about, which is your dreams are hardwired into your soul. Your dreams have a purpose. Your dreams call you through your fears and your anxieties and they draw you out of where you are and they force you to grow, but they're not necessarily meant to be achieved. And he added this interesting twist to it that I thought was so fabulous. And I know you're going to love it. And that is this. He basically said, you know, that at the beginning of 2020, like a lot of us, nobody knew what was coming. He set out a bunch of goals to have the best year of his life to, you know, run a marathon, to be in a deeply loving relationship, to put it like, you know, all these things. And then of course, 2020, which became the punch in the face and the the gigantic pause and the spiritual values, every reorganization you could imagine for all of us. He said, it's only kind of coming through the gauntlet that has been the most painful year of his life that he realized, oh man, God did answer my prayers. I did get all the things I wanted. I just didn't get them in the way I had been planning on. I didn't like how they came. I didn't like the path that I went down. When I was praying, I was thinking I was going this way. (laughs) But, you know, I ended up having to go this way. But now that I'm down the road, I can see that I got everything that I prayed and worked for just not in the way I had wanted God to give them to me. (laughs) I love that because I I also say too that oftentimes we are exactly where we need to be. It may not be exactly where we want to be, but it's exactly where we need to be. And oftentimes I find myself doing this. I don't know about you, Mel, but I complain so often. I'm like, 
I hate being here. Why, <laughs> why am I here? Even though it is actually good for me in hindsight, when I look back and I'm thinking, why do I constantly feel that way? Is it like this flaw in my, my being as being an actual human or is, uh, am I the only one that struggles with this or? <laughs> no, I, I think, I think that, that the reason why you resist where you are, and this is my theory is that life gives you a breakdown that corresponds to the wake up that you need. Yeah. And I find now having kind of gone through a bunch of stuff in the last 18 months that was deeply painful, that all of the lessons that I finally have learned in the last 12 months because of the tremendous number of things that broke apart in my business or my life or in friendships or my health or whatever, those, the world, my life had been trying to teach me those lessons for a long time. And I was too stubborn or arrogant or busy or distracted to learn the lesson. And so 2020 for me was like a sledgehammer that broke open a lot of things that I had been ignoring, frankly, and life will do that to you. I'm curious, Mel, what does success look like for you? Oh, uh, what does success look like for me? Success is standing in front of a mirror in my bathroom and seeing a person reflected back that I love and that I am proud to spend my life with. When was the moment that you realized that was success for you? Has it been this gradual thing over time that you've looked at yourself in the mirror and said, I love myself for for who I am, or was there more of a catalyst for you? Um, Well, I think for the first 52 years of my life, I did the opposite. Mm. I, uh, as an adult, really was relentless in my self-criticism, my judgment, Uh, My role in my life was uh, chief criticizer. And I did not have this realization about the profound power of, first of all, sort of self-acceptance, because you can't actually get to the profound power of self-love until you walk through the gates of self-acceptance. And for most people, they don't even get there because the habits of self-rejection and self-criticism and self-hatred are so entrenched and it's actually become so casual and so subconscious that you don't realize just how relentless the beatdown is in your mind. And that was me. And I remember the distinct moment that I had the breakthrough and it was in April of 2020. And uh, we were full on the whole world in quarantine at this point. And my business was upside down and life was very overwhelming. And this is the day after I had first high-fived myself in the mirror. And um, what's interesting is that first morning in April of 2020 that I very first did the high-five, a very pathetic moment in my life, (laughs) one that's very relatable, standing (laughs) in my bathroom, you know, feeling beaten down and overwhelmed by the demands of life and work and just feeling like it was all just too much and just completely defeated before I had even started the day, you know, I caught my reflection and I, I, I first thought when I looked at myself in the mirror, my 
God, you look like hell. And then, of course, the beatdown starts. You, your dark circles, one boobs lower than the other. Your neck is so saggy. And then, of course, once one thought goes negative, it's like, you know, you're just going to circle the drain. And so next thing you know, it's why'd you get up so late? You got a Zoom call in eight minutes. You didn't text Jay back. You know, you haven't walked the dog. Pound down, pound down, pound down. And I don't know what came over me because you can probably tell that I'm not that cheesy of a person. <laughs> Pretty direct. Uh, tell it like it is. You're but really. for whatever reason, standing there that morning, feeling overwhelmed by life in my underwear, I just instinctually raised my hand and gave the woman in the mirror a high five because she looked like she needed it. And that very first morning, my reaction to just instinctually high-fiving myself was to laugh at myself because it was so cheesy. But I'll tell you something like there was like a little switch that flipped. Mm. It's not like I was like, oh, my life has changed. I need to write a book. Here we go. Okay. Oh my God. Finally, I have a book title. No, that's not what happened. I just felt this energy shift where I didn't even think anything, Jay. I just felt this energy muster up that was a little bit like a teammate who, when you screw up a play and they high five you to say, shake it off, get your ass back in there. Come on now. Like it was a little bit like that, but it was the second morning, the second morning that everything broke open. And so you asked a question about when was it that I learned how to see a person in the mirror that I loved? And it has not been a moment, it's been a process, but it began in a moment. Mm. That second morning, I woke up, same problems, same issues, feeling totally overwhelmed by life. And I start walking to the bathroom. And before I even get into the bathroom, I realize I'm feeling something I've never felt before in my adult life. And it was this. You know how when you are going to go meet a friend at a cafe and you really like this person and you're about to walk in the door and see somebody you like, what do you feel, Jay? Oh, sheer excitement. <laughs> yeah, nerves yeah. and sheer excitement. Yeah. Yeah. I felt that way about seeing myself. Wow. Now, I felt excitement about seeing an outfit. Mm or seeing a haircut, but I don't ever recall in my entire adult life, the feeling of being excited to see the human being Mel Robbins. Mm -hmm. And I think that moment right there was the beginning of realizing what self-love is. And so I rounded the corner to the bathroom and the profound nature of this is starting to unfold. And as I walk in there and I step in front of my sink and I see myself in the mirror, I have this second realization. And the second realization is there's always two people in the bathroom with you every morning. Mm. There's you and there's a human being in the mirror. And that human being is trying and that human being needs you and they are tired of your negativity and they are tired of you criticizing everything that they're doing and they are tired of the beatdown, and they need you to be more encouraging. They need you to be more compassionate. They need you to be more optimistic. 
They need you to have more fun. They need you to wake up and see them. Mm. And when I realized that I wasn't staring at a reflection, I was staring at my humanity. I was staring at me, this human being. Like it shifted everything. I had this this realization that, you know, when I see one of our three kids, they're 23, 21, and 16. And yeah, there are times on a daily basis that they irritate the hell out of me. (laughs) But I never, ever cast a gaze on them without just feeling this acceptance and this love for their existence, even if they're annoying me. Mm. I still have this baseline that is grounded in acceptance. It's grounded in compassion. It's grounded in gratitude that they're in my life. It's grounded in seeing them and loving them for who they are. Not trying to change, like just this pure thing. And I realized in that moment that I was experiencing that with myself. And so the high five in the mirror has become this way to demonstrate partnership with self, acceptance of self, forgiveness of self. And, you know, I'll tell you, I started adding it into my morning routine. Mm -hmm. And the way that I did it was, you know, when I'm done brushing my teeth, I get the gunk out of my mouth so I don't have bad breath all day. Then I stand with myself for a second I look at myself in the eyes and then I raise my hand. I don't even say a word because the high five does all the work for you. I mean, the science behind this thing's bananas. That's a whole nother story we can talk about. But, you know, I did this every day for a month. And then I ended up putting a photo up, as you read about in chapter two. I didn't put any instructions on the photo. It's just me with my retainer in and a high five in the mirror. And within an hour, more than 100 people around the world had high-fived themselves in the mirror and posted it online. And that's what made me go, oh my God, maybe I'm not the only one Mm. who feels defeated. Maybe I'm not the only one who needs a little encouragement. Maybe I'm not the only one who feels alone. Maybe I'm not the only one who feels like some days I just can't deal with the demands of my life. Maybe I'm not the only one who needs to learn how to support themselves a little bit better, be a little kinder, a little bit more encouraging. Maybe just maybe there's something here. And so I took on a year long research project and the results of it are absolutely freaking extraordinary. This is the most powerful thing I have ever discovered in my entire life. The leading neuroscientists, people that have discovered neuroplasticity in the eighties have now completely verified everything we're talking about and added in 10 times more research about why this is so groundbreaking. And you also mentioned, I've heard you talk about Dr. Daniel Amen too, and how he's excited about this habit. And the moment I heard about this habit, I was excited too, because it's so simple. And I've always, I've often uh, tried my best to understand this and, and hopefully you can help me understand this. Why is it that people often resist something that is so simple? Is it because They feel like uh, because it's so simple, it's too good to be true. I think that's the right answer. I also think that there's, um, is it the, oh, the complexity bias. So your brain has a complexity bias whereby if your dreams are big or your problems feel big, 
you naturally think the solution to either solving it or achieving the big dream must also be big and complex. And what I've found in life is that ironically, it's the opposite. The bigger the problem, the smaller the solution that makes a difference. The bigger the dream, the smaller the action that starts you going there. And so I do think that there is a immediate reaction that is that, well, this is so simple. I think there's also this sort of resignation that we all have that that's cheesy. I'm not doing that shit. Like, I'm, come on, please. Um, and then the, the bigger reason why, though, that people resist it is really sad. Yeah. And the real reason why people resist this is because your habit of self-rejection is so profound and strong and relentless and habitual that high-fiving yourself is a is literally it'd be like me saying oh no you got to eat with your feet tonight yeah it makes no sense because you know we all know jay that you need to be kind to yourself we all know that you need to treat yourself better we've all heard a bazillion times us say you know, if I talk to my friends the way that, you know, I talk to myself or if my friends talk to me the way that I talk to them, I wouldn't be friends with them. Yeah. And you still talk to yourself that way. And the reason why so many of us are so stuck is we don't know how to be kinder to ourselves because nobody's ever taught you how. Yeah. We don't know how to stop the relentless criticism because nobody's ever taught us how. And it is such a strong habit that it is akin to your dominant hand. Like I could write with my left hand, but it would be such a pain because it's the opposite of what I've done my entire lifetime. And for most people, based on our research, they have spent an entire lifetime criticizing themselves. It's as it's literally you and I speak English. Mm. It's the language that we speak. Criticism, judgment, the beatdown is the language that most people speak in their minds. Yeah. And so that's the other reason why most people's reaction to this is, well, that's dumb. That's not going to work. And besides it's stupid, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. For a long time, I was one of those people that beat myself up. I thought that I didn't have worth, didn't have purpose, didn't have, I didn't know that my story actually mattered. So I just would, allow all the negative emotions and feelings, you name it, to just flood in my life. And that would often inform how I acted with my friends, with my family, with my work colleagues, you name it. Wasn't a good scenario. Very angry, very upset because I felt like I wasn't going anywhere until that I one day, it's a long story, Mel, but to cut it short, until everything just came crashing down. And I started to ask myself those difficult questions that many people often avoid and really started to dig deep into who is Jay? Who am I really? Like, what is my purpose? And then it was like, well, you were talking about how you had that moment of realization. I call it like the old light bulb burst and the new one was quickly put in its place. And it was like shining brightly and it finally all made sense. It's like, my story has value. I was born with a purpose. I don't have to go and continue to chase this thing. I am enough right now. And I, I love your message, especially because it, it speaks to this very thing of 
you do have value, you do, you are enough and you should love yourself every single day, no matter what. Yeah. And you know, I knew all that and yet I had no idea how to do it, Jay. Yeah. I was on the outside. You would look at me and say, wow, that Mel Robbins is such a positive, loving person. I was to everybody else. Oh, wow. That Mel Robbins, she is wildly successful. Yeah. Because I was relentlessly trying to prove to myself that I had value. I had married worth with achievement like so many of us do. And we do it because when we were little, you got positive attention and praise when you did well in school, when you made the sports team, it got conditioned into you to believe that you are only worthy when you are doing something that makes you feel worthy. And so we get all these mixed messages. And so I didn't know how to do those things, Jay. I would stand in the mirror, you know, having self-published a book, selling 2 million copies and be like, it's not enough. What's next? Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, the audible things, number one, not enough. And the reason why is I had not fixed the core problem that every human being struggles with. And it is self-rejection. That is everybody's core problem. And I didn't even know how deeply of a problem it was until I discovered the high five habit and started to practice treating myself differently. Because here's the thing that is so interesting based on the research. You cannot change a habit of self-rejection and a habit of self-hatred by telling yourself you're worthy. Mm. You cannot do it by telling yourself you love yourself. And the reason why is your actions for your entire life have demonstrated the opposite. And so your brain goes, no, you don't. Mm -hmm. You don't think you're worthy. Stop saying that. You don't believe that. Like, and so your brain rejects it because it's been programmed based on your own behavior. To believe that you don't think anything you do is good enough. You don't think you're ever good looking enough. You don't think it's ever enough money. That is what you've trained your brain to believe. And so the only thing that has ever worked for me is the high five habit. And I'll tell you why, because it's a physical action. You don't need to, you shouldn't say a thing when you do it because the programming is too powerful against you and your mind. And I want you, when you practice this, to leverage programming and neural associations that are already in your brain associated with cheering for everybody else. We're just going to aim it right back at you. And so the huge transformational power of this is that because most of us have either watched other people high five one another in sports or in road races, or we've watched videos of teachers high-fiving kids as they enter the classroom, or we have experienced high-fiving people that we love or high-fiving teammates, or we have experienced somebody else high-fiving us, that behavior and the positive association and the neural programming and the wiring in your nervous system is already in your body, mind, and spirit. Mm -hmm. We are just going to aim all that stuff back at your own reflection. And so what we're doing with the physical action of high-fiving the mirror is you are every single morning shutting down the critic. You are demonstrating that you see yourself and you care about yourself. And over a short period of time, based on the chemical releases in your brain, based on the nervous system wiring that gives you a celebratory jolt, And based on all the positive programming that you have in your mind already affiliated with a high five, 
You literally reset your default programming back to the way that you were born. Because the bottom line is none of us came out of the womb beating the heck out of ourselves. None of us as toddlers stood in front of the mirror and were like, gosh, my thighs are fat. I better not go to kindergarten today. <laughs> we were wired for love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We were wired for self-acceptance. Yeah. Life taught you to hate yourself. Yeah. And I'm telling you through the habits in this book, and by adding a high five to your morning routine, you will tap back into something that is core to who you are, which is self-love and self-acceptance. Yeah. How does the high five habit help people that are dealing <clears throat> with trauma? It's a great question. So um, number one, let's talk about what happens when you do it. So how it helps with trauma is that um, we're going to we're going to unpack trauma at several layers yep. because trauma is obviously a stored experience in your mind, body, and spirit. Yeah. And what happens for a lot of people with trauma is that when you stand before yourself in the bathroom and you look in the mirror, a lot of people with trauma that is not been healed or is not being healed is you see the trauma as evidence that you're damaged, that you're unlovable, that you're a bad person, that nothing's going to work out for you, that you're not good enough. And so you thereby see a person that isn't worthy of the love that you desire. It's why you're seeking it in relationships and you're seeking it outside of yourself because internally you see the trauma, not as evidence that you've survived something, which means you deserve a high five, but evidence that you're damaged so you don't. And so the high five in the mirror becomes an act of healing. Yeah. It becomes an act of defiance mm -hmm. that brings your power back inside you. It becomes an act of empowerment, acknowledging how far you've come and all that you've survived and the fact that you still love you. And you still are going to have you. There was a woman that wrote to us that um, uh, was in a domestic violence shelter when she saw a video that I did about the high five habit. And she said that, you know, I've had childhood trauma, very severe from the age of four till about 15. Then I left the family abusive home. I'm now in my late 20s. I've been in a wildly violent relationship. I've just escaped that. I have nothing. I know I have a lifetime of healing. But in five days, waking up in a domestic violence shelter in the most traumatic experience of my life, what the high five habit is showing me is that at least I still have myself. Yeah. That if I could learn how to have my own back, if I can forgive myself for the mistakes I've made, if I could forgive myself for not listening to my intuition, if I could see myself, then I can heal myself. Mm. That's what it can do for trauma. The other thing that I write about in this book is because the high five in the mirror is just the beginning yeah. is you can practice something called high fiving your heart. This is in chapter 13. Mm -hmm. This is how you can use a high five. You put it in the center of your chest and uh, I want you to put it right here because you're going to now uh, use something that's a treasure in your body called the vagus nerve. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as you know, you know, the vagus nerve, it's an on off switch. 
it switches off your fight or flight, dysregulated, traumatized nervous system. And it flips on your resting, cool, grounded nervous system. So on those mornings where you wake up and you're spiraling or those mornings and and mornings for a lot of people because cortisol levels are high or it's evening and darkness triggers you. When you feel yourself get triggered, put your hands on your chest. This is called high-fiving your heart. Take a deep breath. And then just repeat these words. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm safe. I'm loved. I'm loved. And repeat them over and over and over until you feel yourself come back into your body. And what you're going to feel as you repeat those words and you press right here in the center of your chest, activating the vagus nerve, is you're going to feel your dysregulated, triggered nervous system flip off. And you're going to feel yourself come back into your grounded body. And you're going to feel yourself take control of your body response, whether you're in a grocery store, you're at a stoplight, or you're standing in your kitchen, or you're waking up. And in that moment, if you can hear yourself saying or thinking, I'm okay, I'm safe, I'm loved. It's true. In that moment, you are. And even if it only gives you a few seconds, it allows you to realize that within you, you have the ability to take control Mm. of how you're feeling in any moment. Mm. I think it's another powerful tool that we can all use because I myself have experienced quite a bit of trauma. So I, I'm a morning person, get up at 4am in the morning. People say that I'm crazy, but I do it for a specific reason. And I have a philosophy in my life that if I can beat the sun, which is constant every single day, then no matter what comes my way during the day, I can beat that too. And Mm. it's setting myself up for some positive habits like exercise, like prayer and meditation, the high five habit now as well that I do. Uh, all these things, they're all in my repertoire, my toolkit for success <laughs> in combating any of those horrible things that do come my way, stressful times, you name it. What have you either learned about yourself or experienced by adding a high five in the mirror to your morning routine? I think it's what I've noticed more recently actually is it makes me smile. Number one, number two, it makes me like when I do those, those words and at the end, when I get to you are loved, it actually makes me feel like, hang on a minute. I am loved. It puts me in that once again, reminding state that I am loved and it helps me whenever I'm going through like a difficult, stressful moment of the day to just stop and reflect and say, Jay, you, you high five yourself in the morning. It's going to be okay. This is nothing. (laughs) So that's what it's helped me do. Um, yeah. Well, I'm sure you loved the, um, the study in the book in chapter two about NBA teams. And most people love this study, but basically, you know, if you think about it, the reason why you smile, by the way, is because, Anytime somebody high fives you, your brain gives you a drip of dopamine and your brain does not know the difference between you high fiving 
yourself in the mirror and you high-fiving me. And so, you know, when I say the programming, you're smiling and everybody feels a lightened mood, even on the worst mornings, because your brain is giving you dopamine. The second reason why you feel more assured is because your body instinctually is wired for gestures of celebration. And so like when you cross a finish line, what do you do? Arms immediately go up, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, arms up. When you wave, arms up. When your favorite team scores, arms up. When your favorite band comes on the stage, arms up. Um, When you surprise somebody, arms up. And so the arms up in a cell is a celebratory gesture. And so the reason why you leave the bathroom feeling a little more empowered is your nervous system just gave you some of that associative programming that gave you a jolt of vitality. Now, when we take this into the research lane, researchers looked at the, uh, you know, NBA basketball teams here in the United States, and they were curious, researchers at, you know, Berkeley University, what is it that are the habits of the teams that have the best winningest records? And they discovered that there are habits present in the preseason that are present for all teams that are winning. And they're not present for the teams that have terrible records. And the habits were this. The teams that have the best records at the end of the season also have the most number of fist bumps, pats on the back, and high fives during the preseason. And the reason why this habit of encouraging gestures correlates to a winning record is because these aren't just gestures. They're demonstrations of trust and partnership. Yeah. The teams that do the worst have the least number of these. No fist bumps, no pats on the back. Everybody's in it for themselves. And you can see it because they make selfish moves, selfish plays. The team's not wired together. And I'm here to tell you that the reason why you feel that sort of carry through in your day is because the high five is creating partnership with yourself and trust within yourself And it gets sealed in your mind. You know, you're not the, we've had more than 130,000 people go through a five-day high-five challenge in a matter of 26 days from 91 countries. And so many people report that throughout their day, they also can reflect back to the high-five in the morning. Again, because the neural association with a high-five is so pounded into everybody's brain regardless of where you grew up, regardless of the culture that you grew up in, you have witnessed these things happening in culture. And so it's just programming that we're activating to help you. And here's what I've noticed. This is the biggest thing, everybody. And it's this. I mentioned the fact that, you know, I was such an achiever because I thought that that's what made me worthy of love. And so many of you will stand in front of the mirror and you'll feel resistant to doing this because you'll say, but I didn't go to the gym today. Mm. But I didn't get up at four o'clock. I hit the snooze button. Should I still high five myself? And the answer is yes, Mm -hmm. especially on those days. Because the high five isn't something you earn. It's something you deserve and need simply for breathing. Mm. If you can stand there and be here another day and you're still pushing forward and you're still trying and you're not getting it right, you're still trying. You not only deserve a high five just for your existence, you need one 
It is the most empowering force on the planet to feel seen, to feel encouraged. And I want people to understand that when you start to practice this and demonstrate it to yourself, it not only changes how you see yourself and how you feel about yourself, it changes how you operate out there. If I like myself, it doesn't matter if you like me or not, Jay. It might sting a little bit because I want you to like me, but it won't change the fact that I still like myself. Mm. You know, if I am really treating myself with respect, I won't allow somebody else to treat me with disrespect. Yeah. Because I demonstrate every morning that I respect myself and that becomes the new baseline. We let so much crap slide with other people because we don't even treat ourselves with acceptance and respect. That's why we're looking for it outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one more thing that I'll say is after more than a year of doing this, I don't even need to high five myself. I still do it, but I don't need to. And I'll tell you why it wouldn't even occur to me at this point to criticize myself because mm. I don't see a body. I don't see a face. I see a human being who's trying. Mm. It is reset my brain in the most beautiful and profound way. Now, do I still get pissed off when I'm number two on the New York times? Of course, <laughs> but that's not pissed off at myself. Mm. And the recovery from that is almost instantaneous. Yeah. Because I have a new resting default that's optimistic, that's encouraging, that's compassionate. The resilience factor is through the roof. It's really unbelievable. And so for those of you that are high achievers, like it has not changed how competitive I am. It has not changed the game that I am playing. It has made me better at it. Because when you're constantly focused on what's going wrong, you're going to hate what you're doing. You're going to feel beaten down when you can celebrate all the little wins around you and get pissed off for two seconds about number two and then move on. You have more joy, more contentment. You play a bigger game. You feel more motivated. You make a bigger impact. We have it reverse. You think that you got to have all the money in the world and then you're going to be happy and satisfied with yourself. Not true. Treat yourself with respect and encouragement now. And you will feel empowered to go do all the things that create all the wealth that you need and all the impact you want. Very true. I've got a couple more questions for you, Mally, if you don't mind. I'm really, really yeah. enjoying this conversation. But having said all this, having spoken about self-love a lot, this is a question I've wanted to ask you since I started reading and started hearing more about your message. But what do you love the most about yourself now and your story? Hmm. Um, I feel really surprised that I'm going to say this. <laughs> I think the thing that I love the most about myself now is that I actually do believe that I'm a really good person. Love that. You know, um, I just think that I have a really good heart and I mean well, and I want to make a difference and having spent an entire lifetime believing that there's something wrong with me. It is so liberating to finally have my brain align with my heart in terms of my belief about myself, my intentions, my actions, all of it. 
Um, and what was the second question? What do you love the most about your story? Mm. It's the thing that I, I think the, I, I think that there's this divine guidance nature to my story that, um, What's happened in my life, particularly in the last 13 years, is so implausible that there is no other explanation than divine intervention. Mm -hmm. And I believe, like you believe, that every single human being is born with a purpose that's unique and all their own. And at the same time, and I know you believe the same thing. I think everybody's purpose is exactly the same. Mm. And it's to find the courage to tell your story because it's in the sharing of yourself that you will impact somebody else. Mm. And nobody else has your story, your experiences, your wisdom, none of it. And nobody else ever will. And so I do think everybody's purpose is to come back home to who they are and share that story of the journey of returning home. Mm. And, you know, I, I was going to say that my answer was going to be that I, you know, that I, <laughs> I have to, you know, my, my, my version of, helping people always requires me to fall into a hole or dig one. And then once I hit the bottom of that hole, I got to somehow build a ladder to get out of it. And that's what the five second rule was 13 years ago. It, is a, it was a ladder that I created to help me get out of bed when the anxiety and fear was so crushing, it would pin me there every morning. And the high five habit was a ladder to help me climb out of the hole of overwhelm and defeat and self-criticism that kept me really down. But the truth is I don't like learning like that because it's painful. <laughs> so, like I literally am like, can I just read something in a book like other people do? Like does my, why does it involve me driving headfirst into a brick wall before I have an epiphany? Do I have to be this stubborn and screwed up in order to discover these things? When will it get easy? But I do think that that is sort of the nature of things. My daughter said to me, because I was really, you know, when the you know what hit the fan with the quarantine and my business turned upside down and I lost my dream job and the speaking business upended and I felt like we were going to be back in a financial free fall and my kids are having cascading anxiety attacks. Oh, not to mention all the stuff that came with the global pandemic. We all had a complete spiritual, mental, physical, like just realignment, reorganization, upset, fear, all of it. Um, and obviously it was a blessing in so many ways. And I remember going, why is this happening to me? Why? I've worked so hard. Seriously, this is how my story ends. I, 13 years ago, I'm $800,000 in debt and drinking myself into the ground and on the edge of losing everything. And I claw my way out of that hole. I share the five second rule 
Millions of lives are changed. I build a business. I land my dream job, hosting a television show, helping people. Now it's all taken away. Now I'm in financial crisis again. Now I'm reinventing myself again. Are you kidding me, God? Why are you like this? Why is it? And then why? And then on top of that, why am I now the victim of wire fraud? Why is this person betraying me? Why are the implants that I got causing cancer? Why, why, why? And finally, my daughter said, why are my kids college? Like just that I was in that state. And my daughter said, I think I know the answer. And I said, why? And she said, you know, your gift in life is to help people. And I think you've forgotten what it feels like to be lost and afraid. And she was right. It's not that my life was easy. It wasn't easy because I was beating the hell out of myself every step of the way. But I had in many cases, because I'd become so busy and so successful, I had forgotten what it's like to wake up with crushing anxiety every morning. I'd forgotten what it's like to look in the mirror and absolutely feel like you can't get through the day. And the gift of this breakdown was the high five habit, which cracked absolutely everything open and let a bunch of light into a place that was really dark in my mind. What I've learned is that when we go through all these experiences and I've been through quite a few, <laughs> very much like you, and I'm only 25. So oh I'm, my still, God. I'm still quite literally a baby. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. are. When I was 25, I was like cheating on boyfriends and drinking myself into the ground. And I had no uh, idea what I wanted to do with my, he's like, oh, whoa, okay. <laughs> I didn't know I had been the victim of sexual abuse when I was in the fourth grade yet. I hadn't gone to therapy. I had generalized anxiety, train wreck or human being interchangeable. But you know what? It helps me and helps you to relate to other people. And I think people are searching for, like we've been talking about, connection. Connection to self-love and you help bridge that divide. So I'm grateful for your work and everything that you are doing. You have this incredible book. People can go and get a copy of it. Can I ask you a question though? Of course. How the hell did you get so awake and transformed at the age of 25. <laughs> that is a, a difficult question to answer in a short period of time. <laughs> um, but essentially my life wasn't going where I wanted it to go. Uh, my life literally came crashing down and I fell apart in 2019, went through a difficult breakup, uh, started, lost my dog of 11 years who we were like this. I was going through a lot of grief, a lot of torment, found out a little bit later on that I was sexually abused when I was six years old. So there was all that. I was dealing with yep. depression, anxiety, and in the middle around, I think it was June or July, I attempted to end my story, attempted to end my life because mm-hmm. uh, I didn't feel like I was enough anymore. Uh, I was also in a pretty high stress uh, environment with my career, and which is real estate. Um, I had no idea what I was doing, by the way. And then towards the end of August, uh, I'd made the choice to leave the career in real estate and step out uh, in a lot of debt. Uh, I had no idea what I was going to do and was just very lost. 
Um, and I was actually in a job interview for a top recruitment company here in Sydney, Australia. And the CEO asked me this one question. He goes, why do you want to work here? And I said, I want to help people. I'd been helping people get a home and I thought maybe I can help people get a job, but little did I realize the extent of what I, what I actually meant in that answer. What I was really saying was I want to help people realize their own worth, realize their full potential through the power of stories. Cause I realized, Hey, I'm young. I've been through absolute hell and back and I still didn't know what it was going to fully look like then. I just knew I wanted to help. So how many people are struggling like I am? You know, how many people are dealing with all these crippling anxieties and they don't know that they're enough? How many people have committed suicide or attempted suicide that I can potentially help with my story and all the things that I've been through? And so really that's where the story box became the story box. Um, and I started this growth journey of, I worked with disabled people for a period of time that taught me a lot about gratitude and who I am as a person. And I should be really thankful for the way I am and what I've been through. And then it's just grown enormously. So that in a, a short nutshell is how I've managed to get to this realization. And because I get to speak with incredible people like you, Mel, that teach me through your story. And I realize that we're not so different and that just helped. no but you're you're clearly a little bit more aware than i am because i kept digging the hole i was in for another two decades before i hit the bottom of it so uh <laughs> high five to you man you say you're you're a faster study than i am apparently either that or i'm more stubborn <laughs> no i i think that i've just been blessed honestly to have that realization early on and I want, uh, I desire first and foremost that a lot of young people, especially like if you are a young person right now, you don't have to go through all the things that I went through or even Mel went through. Like you can change your life right now. And why, why put yourself through absolute hell when you don't even need to? If I had a choice to go back and choose a, a much simpler path, I probably would have chosen the simpler path. Why, why extend even more pain to yourself when you don't need to? I know some of the pain is unexpected and unavoidable and how you show up in that pain is often a big difference maker. I really believe that. But for pain that we put ourselves through, why put yourself through it? You know? Well, it's true. It's true. I uh, I hope that our conversation is an awakening for somebody that maybe the pain that you're in the middle of, uh, you're not alone in it. I mean, you said something that I think about a lot, which is there's like 8 billion people on the planet. Mm. What are the odds that you're not the only one that's feeling the way that you feel? And I guarantee you're not because I also think if you go to YouTube, somebody made a video about it. And when you start to realize that, yeah, it feels deeply personal and you feel isolated, but you're not alone in what you're feeling and other people have gotten there, have been there and gotten through it, you'll realize that you can too. Um, you know, it's interesting. The only thing that we kind of, uh, that I disagree with is that I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't go back and change anything. Mm. I often get asked, what would you tell your younger self? And I say, absolutely nothing. And the reason why I say that is because I do believe that all the dots on the map of your life connect. And it's easy 
to sit in this moment and look backwards and see exactly how all the dots in your life, good and bad, painful or glorious, connect to this very moment. That in some way there was an experience that shaped you or a trauma that shaped you or a person or wisdom or something that has prepared you for this moment. And I also gain a lot of faith and the high five habit has taught me this by standing in front of the mirror every morning and pushing through the resistance and the self-judgment and high-fiving the woman who's doing her best and sending myself into the game of life to play another day. I also am affirming this very deep belief that this moment is also a dot on the map of my life. This day is a dot on the map of my life. This thing I'm feeling is a dot on the map of my life and it too is preparing me for something that is coming in the future. And when I know and look at my life that way, a series of experiences, some shitty, some amazing, some heartbreaking, some heart exploding and expanding, it's like being a surfer and learning to ride the waves, knowing that eventually it'll carry you to shore. Yeah. I think I would tell myself, just enjoy the ride. I mean, if I was to be completely honest with myself and look back and would I change anything? Probably not. Maybe a few things I would like to change, <laughs> but not the things that I couldn't control in those moments. Mm. And because mm -hmm. I know that's really made me the person that I am today and being able to be with you, Mel, and, and speak with you today. So yeah, that would be my, I guess, response if I can clear that up a little bit more. <laughs> you can. Thank you for, for that. <laughs> Mel, of course. I have one final question for you. This is my all-time okay. favorite question. I ask everyone at the end of my conversations. Uh, it's a hypothetical question, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll just call it magic for sake of argument. But they've been able to get it all and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? I would think the same thing that everybody wants, that it mattered. Mm. Um, that's what I would want to see. It's a beautiful send off message. Where can people find you, Mel? Where do you want people to go and connect with you and learn more about you and get your new book? Well, you can buy the book anywhere books are sold and, um, you can find me on social media. And one thing I want you to know is I know it's been a very tough, uh, year for people. And so two things, if you cannot afford the book, just go to high five challenge. So that's H I G H five challenge.com. And I have created a five day challenge that includes coaching and journaling tools and a global community of now 130,000 people from 91 countries in just 21 days. It's evergreen. It's open. And it is there to help you learn about the high five, practice the high five and get 
an incredibly empowering high five crew all around you. And I know Jay will put it in the show notes, but just Google high five challenge and you'll find the free sign up. Um, the second thing is, is that it's been slow going, but I've been reading the book cover to cover on social media. And so, um, Eventually we will get through it. I think I'm only on chapter four and we've been doing it for a month. Most days, not all days, everybody. I've got a like crazy schedule. So most days I show up on all platforms. We read live. I take questions and it'll be organized in a playlist on, it's already on a playlist on IGTV. It's on YouTube. I'm going to continue to do it until I get to the end of the book because more than anything else, I am deeply committed to making an impact in your life. And um, this is a free tool that has just crazy amounts of science behind it. And every man, woman, child, person of any age should be putting the high five habit in their morning routine right after they brush your teeth. Mel Robbins, thank you so much for your time. I have really, really enjoyed my time with you and this conversation, but thank you for being such a bright spark in this world and for making mm -hmm. a huge impact in the hearts and lives of so many people and for joining me today on the Storybox podcast. Oh, Jay, you're awesome. I'd say something like really, really nice, but then I'd feel weird because I'm like your mother's age and it might come across as me being like creepy. So I just think you're amazing. How about that? I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guests today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the Storybox, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.